Welcome again to the session with Rabbi David Aaron from Israelite Institute in Jerusalem. Rabbi Aaron, prayer is a really big topic with most Jews who are concerned about having any kind of personal relationship with God. And depending on where we are in the calendar, it's something that comes up in someone's thinking like for Rosh Hashanah, for Yom Kippur. Many accuse Judaism of being more formal and structured. And where do you find the heart in all that? Is there room in Judaism for heartfelt prayer or is it all by the book? Definitely prayer is possibly or probably one of the most challenging aspects of Jewish life. Because suddenly you find yourself trying to stand in the presence of God, talk to God. If a person's studying Torah, they don't need really to have a God consciousness. I mean, they should have a God consciousness, but it's possible to fake it. You know, I'm learning and it's intellectually stimulating and I'm able to communicate to my learning partner what I'm saying. But one doesn't necessarily have to be conscious of a relationship to God to do that. And again, they, one should have a relationship with God, but uh, one can get away with, at least for themselves, convincing themselves that I'm doing something valuable. But when a person prays, you're, you're, you're standing face to face, and you realize and you know that what you're doing is you are supposed to be talking to God. And if, in fact, I am talking to God, just as I would... Uh, talk to my wife, although she's not God, she's next in line. (laughs) You know, you wouldn't read a script. And I don't read a script to my wife. In addition, if I were to say the same thing to my wife over and over every day, how much meaning would it have? It's like, imagine someone gives uh, someone um, some advice and says, uh, you should tell your wife three times a day you love her. So you figure, you know, that's that's good advice. I'm going to do that. So uh, you get married and get up in the morning and say, honey, I love you, and then off to work. And 2 o'clock, oh my gosh, I forgot, I'm going to call you. I call her up. Honey, I'm in the middle of a very busy day, but I love you. Hang up, get home, conked out, wiped out, fall asleep on the couch, wake up 1 in the morning, you realize, oh my gosh, I forgot the third, I love you, and wakes his wife up. I love you. Goes back to sleep. I mean, is that meaningful to do something by route? three times a day without feeling, without meaning, without really expressing from your, your your innermost place your feelings for your wife. And it could turn into something that rather expressing love could ultimately interfere with love. And we could make that same argument with the formal prayer of Jewish life. How do I speak to God from a script? And how do I speak to God and it be genuine when I'm saying this very same script every day? The truth is that the uh, you know the original format of prayer was very spontaneous, and uh, it was much later that the Chachamim, the Jewish sages, uh, decided that for the best interests of the people and also for the creating of a community, especially as they foresaw the destruction of the temple and the diaspora and the Jews being spread out all over the world for thousands of years, how do we create some format of gathering, some communal kind of prayer, uh, joining of hearts, uh, creating something that is in some slight, slight way a semblance of what was happening in the temple. So, but this creation of liturgy, this formal liturgy, was in no way uh, intended to undermine or replace spontaneity. Uh, In fact, it was really intended to create a context for the spontaneity. The sages felt that people were losing touch with, well, what should I be saying? Mm -hmm. What should I be asking for? 
So, uh, for instance, in the central prayer of Jewish life, referred to as the uh, the Shemana Esrei, the eighteen benedictions, or the Amido, the silent prayer, even though it's not really silent, it's just quiet. Uh, each one of the requests in that prayer really is meant to set a stage, create a context. Um, but it was never intended that we should stop talking spontaneously to God. And it's, in fact, a, a very different kind of experience. You know, Rav Nachman of Bretzlov, the great Hasidic master, uh, very much emphasized the need for heat bodedut. One goes into uh, an isolated place and daily speaks to Hashem, speaks to God, as uh, they would speak to their friend or their loving father from a very spontaneous, genuine place. In fact, Rav Nachman encouraged us that we should ask God for everything. I've heard people say, oh, you know, I, I, I don't want to bother God with small things. I mean, health, I'll ask God, you know, but they don't say everything is small. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, we're small things, you know, like, and so Rav Nachman said, if you need a shoestring, you should ask God for a shoestring. So a person, oh, I don't want to bother with a shoestring. <laughs> but that's not the point. The point is that you should realize that even a shoestring comes from God. There's absolutely nothing in your life, not one detail, that you could ever have if it didn't come from God. And therefore, we encourage that a person should ask Hashem, God, for everything, every little detail, and truly talk out their feelings to God. It's really more what would be referred to as hishtachut uh, nefesh, mm-hmm. the outpouring mm-hmm. of the soul. But what we do in formal liturgy isn't really hishtachut nefesh. It's not the outpouring of the soul. It's actually the inpouring into the soul. The word for prayer in Hebrew is lehit palel. And lehit palel, in you know, those of uh, the listeners who are familiar with uh, Hebrew grammar, will will notice that this is actually a reflexive verb. Mm-hmm. We're doing something to ourselves. So these are two very different and yet very very important spiritual experiences. One which is spontaneous; it's uh, something that you could do anywhere at any time. And it is something you do on your own, which is that pouring out of the soul. But then there's a time for a formal connection, time for a opportunity for communal prayer, gathering. In fact, uh, it dawned on me that it is uh, interesting that we really don't call our synagogues in Hebrew Beit Tefillah, a house of prayer. Mm-hmm. They're actually not called houses of worship. It's called a Beit Knesset. A Beit Knesset means a house of gathering. And uh, it's the unity of the Jewish people. It's the uniting together that becomes so critical for the meaning of and the impact that a synagogue has 